Hello and welcome to episode 59 of Behind the Journey. This is the show of myself and Sam Spencer discuss all the things going on in our business journey. And today we discuss what's been going on and also Warren Buffett's biggest secret. I'm at my prime. Hey, hey, I'm at my So we are now a few weeks into home working. Uh, we're now a few weeks into the lockdown. We're now a few weeks into the coronas, uh, coronas, the coronavirus um, pandemic. And I, I feel like right now the, the heat's getting turned up on lots of businesses. I think that it's becoming a very, very challenging time for many brands out there. Um, and and you know, if, if a brand could survive, you know, three or four weeks, you know, hopefully that a lot of them could then they're fine. But this is the time now where we're starting to get into kind of month two of this whole pandemic, month two of these downturns. And I think a few brands are now starting to panic. And we're seeing, you know, advertising spend decreasing. We're seeing people um, become a bit more, quote unquote, flappy than ever before. And what I mean by that is it's very, very easy to see the brands um, that are struggling in a sense because they're the ones that seem to be posting more or the ones that seem to be doing you know a hundred pound a day sort of offers it, it you know and I, i'm not saying people are desperate everyone's got to put food on the table everyone's got to try and get through this pandemic as best they can um but it's very very clear now seeing the brands and the people that prepared for a downturn and the individuals that, that you know that weren't prepared and, you know, I've had many conversations over the last week, two weeks now with people that said there was no way you could prepare for this. And I completely agree. You can never, ever prepare for a, a global pandemic, but you could prepare for some recession. You could have put some money aside for you know, an occasion that, um, that may unfold. So what very, can, very um, interesting. Dis- what can Sorry, people mate. do that haven't prepared for it beforehand? Like if someone, if let's say this virus hit and there's someone that just wasn't expecting it, hadn't been saving anything up, like is there anything they can do or is it just a case of, they've messed up well you're hoping that the government will bail you up bail you out at some degree you're hoping that you can qualify for the ten thousand pounds grant you're hoping that you can get your um you know your, your your self-employed pay or your furlough pay you're hoping that one of these things ping through for you because the reality is if not then you really are up up shit you know up shit creek and the only thing you'll really take from this is the benefit would be the the hope that it will never happen again and the hope that if it ever happens again hopefully you've learned a big lesson from it and I think that's, that's the key thing, you know, if you have not prepared for this. And uh, I don't want this to sound like, you know, I'm so happy I prepared for this, rah, 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 because um, I, I don't want to come across in that way. But, but at the same time, um, I would hate to be in a position right now where I have three weeks of payroll left and, you know, uh, income's not coming in. I wouldn't wish that upon anyone, not even my worst enemy. But um, there are brands out there that are in that position. And unfortunately, with the furlough pay, you have to front it yourself as a business owner. You don't get pay, you don't get it back until the back end of May. So even if you can't afford your staff, you still have to pay them until the government bail you out. So that means increased loans. It means trying to scrap together loans. If you can't get another loan, then you're really fucked. So it's a really difficult time to be a business owner at the moment. And um, the conversations I'm having are a whole host of different conversations. I'm having conversations where people are saying, look, it's really, really tight for me at the moment. Like, I'm just going to try and you know, hunker down. And then I'm having an amazing conversation. I had a conversation with a, um, a business owner last week, and it was the most bloody incredible conversation I've ever had. It was a new business meeting, and they spend two million quid a year on, um, on Google Ads. Have I told you this conversation, Sam? Uh, you haven't, no. I've, I've, I've heard like the surrounding topic about it. but This conversation is the epitome of what a... So I believe, and I said this on podcast um, yesterday, 
I believe there are two former mindsets of a business owner, right? An imagine director. There's an imagine director that is a financially minded managing director. And when shit hits the fan, they go and try and cut costs. They go and try and, you know, when they're growing the company, looking at financial models to accelerate the growth. There's a financial minded business owner and there's the marketing minded business owner and the marketing minded business owner will sit there and they'll try and find opportunity in, in anything. How do I market through this? How do I attack through this marketing channel? They'll be a marketing minded business owner and the financial minded business owner right now will be going, right, how do I cut costs? How do I make furlough staff? How do I cut the bottom line costs? How can I survive through financial modeling? Fine. The marketing-minded business owner is going, how do I attack through this? How do I grow through this? How do I make this to my own advantage? And the conversation I had last week went like this. I currently spend £2 million a year on Google advertising. At the moment, a lot of people have pulled money out of Google advertising, which means there's now more room for the market. It's now cheaper to attack. Uh, therefore, I've increased my advertising spend by 25%. Now, 25% on 2 million quid is an extra half a million pounds a year. It's a, it's, a, it's a chunk of money. And he said to me, at the moment, he'll put a pound in and get a pound back. But that customer will stay with them for four years. So it's a pound in, four pound back. And he said at the moment, he's increased his advertising spend, but his, his conversion rate's cheated slightly, which basically means he puts one pound 40 in and gets one pound back. But he said to me, when ever in the history of business and marketing will I ever be able to buy market share this cheap what because what he's doing now essentially is his competitors are pulling back on ad spend he's increasing his advertising spend he's now getting their market share because if you're marketing when other people aren't you're buying market share and he's buying it for for a profit does that make sense he, you know, he's not getting his return now but he'll get it in return in maybe two three four years and and there's the two different mindsets of the of the managing director and and both have pros and both have cons you know the the, the pro of the of the um, the financial financial model is that everything we down to a T. He can coast through it. He understands his financial modeling and implications. The con of being the financially minded person is that you know you, you're probably not going to grow through this period. You'll probably just get by. The pro of the of the marketing mind is you have a potential to really grow and accelerate through this market. The con is you might be spending too much and you might struggle. So there's pros and cons through both of these mindsets. And um, but I really believe having spoken to so many people during this window, everyone kind of falls into one category. Now, there's people that you know, are in the middle and there's people that are more one side than the other, but I, I really believe that's the two ends of the spectrum. Um, and, and I obviously fit on the marketing side. But interestingly, Brad actually sits more on the financial side. So we kind of have a nice little balance of when we're having conversations between how we kind of go through this period of time with Brad being very you know, financially savvy and me being very, very marketing driven. Um, that it's actually working out as a quite nice little partnership you know, which I've always said with me and Brad, but it, it seems to be kind of working really well in this period of time. Um, and, you know, I've seen some really cool stats on Facebook CPMs, which is cost per thousand impressions. And before the coronavirus, I believe there were about $12 a CPM. And now I think they're around about $5 a CPM. So the cost of advertising is just falling through the floor. Like it is cheap to advertise right now, which means you've got to do some, you know, do some innovative stuff. Try some lead gens you wouldn't really normally try. Try some lead magnets you wouldn't normally do and just give it a go in different areas. But it's a fascinating time to be alive. Um, the one thing I've been a bit disappointed with, though, is that there's been a lot of people making excuses um, around the coronavirus. And we saw this with Brexit, um, to be honest with you. We saw brands go bust and say, you know, I've gone bust because of Brexit. Before Brexit, it even happened. You know, Brexit still hasn't happened. It'll happen, you know. They say that hopefully by the end of the year, but they, they, it might be delayed for the coronavirus. But it never happened. The people would were saying, oh, I've gone bust because of, because of Brexit. No, you haven't. Brexit hasn't happened yet. And I, I feel like the same thing's going to happen with this. 
and people are justifying paying their bills late they're justifying all these things when they're in industries that haven't been affected because of coronavirus and um, you're seeing people make these these decisions because of coronavirus when it hasn't even really affected them yet um, and I, i've not really liked that angle of it and I think what we'll also see is we'll see businesses go bust because of coronavirus. When actually, if you're really going bust within two, two months of, of anything unfolding, you haven't gone bust because of coronavirus. You've gone bust because you've run a bad business. Yeah, and, it's, it's been, it's um, been the, the kick in the teeth, the final factor, but you shouldn't be in that position after such a short period of time. Damn right. I mean, I had a conversation with someone yesterday and they basically said that all coronavirus is, and it's a really, it's a really um, good entrepreneur. It was a new business, new business meeting actually. And, um, He'd sold his previous company for like, you know, 20, 30 million. And he's starting something new up and he's having a real cool conversation with me. And he basically said that he's written a whole book um, on, it's called Don't Waste a Good Crisis. And basically what he means by that is that when crisis unfolds, it's the perfect opportunity to attack and make money. And he said he's done it in 2008, 2009, 10, he, he did it then. Because if you've got cash and you can have a chance to invest during these times, you get things for pennies on the, on the pound. But he said that the coronavirus, all it's done is it's moved everything further forward so if your business was going to go bust in a year's time because it's just a bad business it's later with debt you know it's not run particularly particularly well all coronavirus has done is amplify that to present day and um, you know you're always going to go bust at some point if your business wasn't going to be able to survive the downturn and um, it's just happening now uh, and i think that that is absolutely true and um the business that will run properly and the, the, the shareholders weren't milking it dry weren't using it as a personal piggy bank um they will be fine through this um and of course, some people will be hit and there probably will be redundancies and furloughs, et cetera, for those businesses, but they'll still be breathing. Um, and that's, that's the most important thing. I've had many a conversation with other agency owners who have been hit, unfortunately, worse than us. And they've said, um, you know, for them, it's about protecting the mothership. And the way they're saying it is, you know, we need to make sure that the business is still here in three months time, let alone today. You know, so to, today we have to, you know, furlough staff, we have to maybe make redundancies, we have to cut costs just to survive the next two months. So in three months, it's actually still there to be able to employ people. And so there's lots of, of conversations going along and, you know, I'm seeing the best and the worst in, in people. I'm seeing the best in terms of people coming together and offering support for people you'd never even expect. But I'm seeing the worst in a sense that people are making excuses. But I've also seen... And a lot of people are, um, their true colors are showing. And what I mean by that is some people were whingers, moaners, bitchers before this, but now because of the added pressure because of this, they're now whinging, bitching and moaning more than ever before. And um, so I think we're seeing a lot more true colors come through as the pressure is mounting on them as individuals. Um, so yeah, I'm seeing all sides of things. Obviously not a nice time to be, a, be, a, be around, but you know, I see the positive in it and, and we keep, we keep pushing forward, but I, I spoke to um, I spoke to uh, a gent who listens to this podcast because I I got a few people after on the back of the last uh, podcast say look can I have a Zoom call and I, I just jumped on them, um, and he said to me about Warren Buffett and this is one of the fa my favorite things I've learned during this coronavirus pandemic is during two thousand I think it was about two thousand and ten he said. Warren Buffett in his um, firm Berkshire Hathaway, which is like his, um, it's like a, a large stock and he does a lot of investments through it. It's probably the most diversified stock on the stock market. And um, to buy a share in Berkshire Hathaway, it costs around about $280,000 for one share. You can buy B shares with their A shares. And he had about $135 billion or something in cash, like liquid cash that um, the, 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 the company could invest. And in 2010, everyone was like, why don't you invest it? 2011, why don't you invest it? 2014, 
why aren't you investing it? You know, money's worthless right now. You know, um, inflations are going up. You know, you're not investing your money. It's worthless. It's, it's a time will come. A time will come. 2017, a time will come. A time will come. 2019, a time will come. A time will come. 2020, coronavirus hits. Stock market tanks 25%. Warren Buffett has $153 billion in cash that he can invest. And the, and the statistic the guy told me was he can invest in a majority share of any company in the world apart from 11. Now, what I mean by that is that is an incredibly powerful position to be in. You have $153 billion. You can buy a majority share in any company in the world apart from 11. You can do some absolute damage. And I, I explained this to a few um, lads I, I speak to in, in a group chat. And one of them replied this, and I thought this was fascinating. Let me just try and quickly find it. Um, so it was talking about um, the quote called, um, when there's blood on the streets, invest now. Um, and the quote goes along the lines of this. The worse off the market is, the better the opportunities to profit. That's seemingly the, the credo for contrarian investing. Baron Rothschild, an 18th century British nobleman and member of the Rothschild banking family, is credited with saying, the time to buy is when there's blood on the streets. He should know. The Rothschild family made a fortune buying in the panic that followed the Battle of Waterloo against Napoleon. But that's not the whole story. The original quote is believed to be, buy when there's blood on the streets, even if it's your own blood. And essentially, when there is chaos and people are like, you know, there's no money anywhere, um, the prices are dropping because no one's got any cash to invest. If you have cash to invest, if you're Warren Buffett with 153 billion, you can make a, a, a real uh, chunk of cash. So I think what we're going to see on the back end of this is a, is a, is a great depression. I don't think we're going to see a recession. I think it's going to be a, a nasty, nasty one. I think 20%, um, 25% of businesses will go bust. It's going to be absolutely bloody. I don't think we've been near the, the half of this yet. Uh, brands will 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 um, will contract. Um, the brands that are prepared will contract slower, um, but they're still going to contract. Every brand will contract, and it will be the ones that are in the position to invest that will come out of this best. Um, but it'll be messy. I, I generally think twenty twenty five percent of them of the UK businesses will just go bust. Um, the question is how soon they go bust, how long this goes on for. The biggest question is what can the government do to subside this? I mean, we're seeing things from the US government are putting six trillion into the economy. Um, that's just quantitative easing. And that, you know, that's gonna make the value of the dollar decrease massively, which makes assets increase exponentially. So we're gonna see a, a huge, huge uh, economic moves to try and prop com uh, companies up, which is why we're seeing these uh, current business loan schemes, which just for the record are a bag of shite anyway. And that's why we're gonna see things like furloughing coming through, because imagine if, the UK economy was like America, where there's now, I think there's 9 million unemployed now in America, which is highest it's ever been on record. Uh, imagine if that happened to the UK economy, it just wouldn't work. So furloughing makes sense because you hold people in employment um, for the time you don't need them, where you can pull them back when you need them, which means the economy should recover at a much faster rate. And, and the reason I say that is let's just play, I'm going on massive tangents now, but let's just play the two scenarios. Uh, let's say the world was fine again tomorrow um, and you're an American company, you have to hire again. Take hiring takes time, processes, build people in, get people used to systems, etc. The UK, if it all was fine tomorrow, you just call your furlough staff back. You know, they're, they already knew the systems, they're already there, they're already working. So your response rate in back to business as usual is much faster. Um, we're going to see massive, massive tax overhauls after this because someone's going to have to fucking pay for it. Um, so, I mean, someone's going to have to pay for this. I mean, the, this is why I'm a bit baffled that businesses have been crying out for so much help. I mean, obviously some people need it, but at the same time, you're just paying your own deathbed. Like it's going to cost a fucking fortune in tax now because who's going to pay for this? 
it's not it's not going to be the employed it's going to be the self-employed it's going to be the, the court it's going to be corporation tax it's going to be income tax we're going to be absolutely shafted on tax um which you know rightly or wrongly whatever side of the spectrum you believe in um lower tax is proven to increase entrepreneurship it's proven to make brands risk more because let's say i make i don't know a million pound profit and i'm taxed at 20 percent um i've you know i've got a more money to play with but if i'm taxed at 40 percent there's 200 grand less that i could have invested in there's 200 grand extra that i could have risked for example so it, you know lower tax always promotes entrepreneurship and growth so it's it's a crazy crazy time um crazy time you see um, the best and the worst in humanity thinking about brands that are doing campaigns or releasing products off the back of this virus like one that comes to mind is facebook gaming who have they've decided to make a platform to create tournaments for players to keep people inside to stop people going outside you've got wrigley's who was like they did like an april fool's campaign with like a it was like a garlic flavored chewing gum to like for social distancing and things like that that's good like, like that. what do you think about brands that are using the coronavirus as a way to market their products I think that, you know, that you've got to be very sensitive. I think that if you go at it with some sort of, you know, just for sales driven techniques, I think you're going to get found out and it'll be really obvious you're doing it. Um, so I would never recommend that. But I think doing it with a level of humor, like the garlic flavored chewing gum is, is a fucking classic. And that's, that's a really well thought out campaign. Um, it puts them as a conversation topic. Um, and it's not really like, you know, it's, it's obviously not to spike sales. It's obviously not, you know, it's just a good brand piece. Um, Facebook gaming, it sounds like they're doing, you know, what they, benefit but the reality is that is you know that is a definite campaign to, be able to use facebook gaming but facebook gaming was already on the up anyway so i don't know i think i think it's i think i haven't seen many brands really big brands really kind of um use this as a big sales pitch um what i have seen is um smaller brands doing it but the reason i've seen small brands doing it and it's to be fair is because they are up shit creek a lot of these and that that is the reality so you have to kind of understand when you see some of these slightly cringe campaigns that are really only there for monetary gain you know i understand why you're doing that because you probably are really just trying to make a living right now and that's fine you know there's been a lot on facebook of you know cold telesales calling and trying to sell things during these times and how inappropriate it is the reality is that guy's got to make a living. You know, times are hard. He's going to have to do more outreach than ever before. He's probably going to annoy some people, but he's trying to make a living. And I think sometimes when you see these things, you have to understand that everyone's trying to make a living. Um, so, so you you kind of look got to look through. I would be honest with you, and this is going to sound quite weird for me. For me, I have been more forgiving. I feel like I'm more forgiving as a human being because of coronavirus. I feel like I'm understanding people more because of coronavirus and not in a negative or a positive way, but I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm learning to eye roll more than I ever did. I feel like, um, the things that I would have nibbled on massively and, and, and caused big drama about now I just eye roll about, I, I, I genuinely believe that I actually am becoming a better person from, um, seeing how people are reacting to situations, understanding myself as an individual, eye rolling more. I, I got a, 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 I saw a tweet on, um, about a week ago let me just try and find it uh, and it was an, another agency owner um that put a tweet out and let me just find it because i think this is this kind of summarizes what i'm trying to say yeah I'm, I'm, I'm struggling to like get your wavelength right now with the um are you basically talking about eye rolling instead of nibbling like instead of replying and yeah 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 exactly so what i'm trying to say is so for example this is an example so she put her post out saying question if another seo agency copied your tagline would you change yours, leave as it is, or confront them about it? And I put, happened to us a few years back, 
We confronted them, but on reflection, just leave it. Bigger fights to fight. To which she said, interesting, I really agree with you, la, la, la. And I said, yeah, it's a huge piss take. Thing I've learned is I roll more, care less, keep your head down. Any attention away from the task at hand just slows you down. And, and that's what I'm trying to say is that there's so many twats out there that are trying to, trying to take your attention, you know, trying to uh, screw you, whatever. Um, and the reality is the moment you just do that and you just turn your head away from your core focus, it just slows you down. And, and I think that's what I've really understood from this whole process is that, look, there's bigger fights to fight. There, is, there are bigger fights to fight. There's bigger opportunities to take on. And, and, and you know, nibbling on someone stole my slogan. You know, and I remember it really happened. It was two years ago. Someone stole our slogan. Um, and I messaged him and said, you know, can you remove this? So I was getting my solicitors to get in touch with you type thing. Uh, and he was like, no. So I was getting my solicitors to get in touch and he took it down. And, it, you know, it was a waste of like a week. It, it was a waste of like, you know, a, a grand probably of legal bills. For what? Like for some BTEC small agency to take my slogan, like, you know, I could have just probably said nothing for a year and he would have gone bust, for example. Do you know I mean, like it wasn't even worth the fight. So, you know, I, I feel like I'm learning a lot about uh, my thought processes and how I react to things on a much deeper level. And it may be because I've got more time to self-reflect by living in four by four um, for every single bloody day. Um, but I'm, I feel more understanding about people's circumstances. I feel more understanding about situations. And like I said, I'm, I'm starting to eye roll more and care less. And, and it, before I wouldn't care about it, but I would still act on it. So I wouldn't give a fuck, but I would call my sister or I'd call such and such and just deal with it that way. But now I'm almost to the point of like just caring less and just rolling, eye rolling. Um, because if, you know, it, it, you know, I don't know, I don't have to say, that's just kind of how I'm feeling about the situation. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I kind of want to know how everyone else is getting on. I mean, I know our, our audience is very, very, um, random actually because some people i speak to who listen to this are mds of like three million pound turnover companies and some people i speak to are starting their own business some people are just you know working in an organization or whatever and there's a whole host of different people and how they're going through this um well I one, think one, the, one brand that is absolutely smashing it is a topic that i wanted to get onto in a bit is um riot games who have like a very very popular game out but they've just released a new one that's com like it's a first person shooter called Valorant and they're getting 1.5 million viewers every single day on their streams because they're giving away these keys for like a beta so you can test the game before it comes out. Wow. So they, they gave away on the first day 25,000 keys between 1.5 million people. Love that. And Love it's, something that. That, it's something that I think would be so simple for brands to do exactly the same thing on a different scale, on a different platform. But to get 1.5 million people fighting over one point, is it 1.7% chance to get this key to try out a game which costs them nothing, it's crazy. This, like I said in the last podcast, and I, and I keep saying it, and it, it feels like I'm just, you know, in repeat. This is the time to try this stuff. I mean, you know, example, before this call, I... I've been writing a book, as everyone knows this book, I've been writing a book for bloody ages and I pass it to the PR team just so everyone understands where we're at with this. It was meant to go live around like March. Passed it to the PR team and they basically said to me, look, Pete, um, this book needs a rewrite. And that's, what, that's what they said in the sand. They basically said in polite terms, this is a bag of shite. Which I was like, surely not. So I pass it to Brad and Brad goes, you've written it like a medium post. So the content's fine, but it's like a medium post. It's like, you know, each chapter's like a medium post. And I was like, okay, well, that's, I expected nothing less from me. You know, I, I'm a basically a D English student and, you know, fine. So I reached out to a, a publisher I know. And I said, just give me your take on this book. Just see what you think. 
And uh, she read it and goes, this has got some really amazing stuff. The problem is you've spoke, you've written like you, like you speak. Um, so it just needs to have a re a rejig. But the premise of the book and the theory and the concept is actually really good. Um, so she's looking at, um, at rewriting it and publishing it for me. I had a call with her literally before this podcast. And she's going to me today about, you know, time scales to get things done and getting out there. And it'll be on like Nielsen's and stuff if, if it all goes through, which is amazing. So there's, there's, I, what I'm trying to say there is I wouldn't have had the opportunity. Like, I've been so busy you know, doing just general shit for the last three weeks. And I just kind of thought to myself, that, that book, you know, I've got a bank holiday weekend coming, I've got four days pretty much off, which they won't be off, but I've got four, four days off. Let's see where we're at with this book. Let's fling it to a publisher and just say, look, what do you think about this? And if she comes back to me and goes, yeah, work on this, this and this, I can just work on it over the weekend. So she's moving really quickly because obviously, as you can imagine, the project space is a bit, a bit flat at the moment. So they've probably got, got time in their hands as well. Well, writing a book is, is a creative process and that creative process is all about opinions. So in the PR department's opinion, they're obviously very, very studious. They're going to they're want it to be perfection. They're going to want the English to be perfect. They're going to want it to be written and formatted exactly how it should. Whereas the opinions of certain people are like, well, it might not be 100%, but the message is good enough that you can have a bit of leeway on whether it's the English is completely 100% correct. I think the PR boys were, were looking at it more from a, a PR perspective, which obviously they would. Um, whereas I, I don't, I don't want to, I'm not polished. Like I am not, a, I'm not a polished speaker. I'm not a polished person. Uh, I say controversial stuff a lot of the time. Um, some people get the wrong end of the stick with me, etc. So my book is, my book has to be that. If my book is polished and is PR friendly, unfortunately that's not me. Yeah. And, and that's what the lady said. got someone else to write it for you. Correct. So the lady said that when she read it, she was like, having watched a few of your videos, because I sent some videos across, and to seeing some of your videos and stuff, she said, you can see how this links. You could see that, for example, someone would watch you speak, listen to your podcast, and then read your book, and it would all sync. She said, sometimes people will write books, and it's like, this isn't you. Like, who are you trying to be? Whereas she said very much, it's obvious that it's you. It's obvious that you've written this. It's obvious that your opinions are, you know, some of the slightly controversial stuff in there something but it's all your opinion and it all comes through and she said that's that's probably the hardest thing to find so we'll see how we get on i'm hoping to get it over the line um and we'll see we'll see what happens but i I can imagine what's going to happen on the back end of this whole corona thing is there'll be loads of books being released because you're going to have business owners who've had the feet up and not been busy because been shut just writing a book so you're probably going to have loads of books coming out the back end of this coronavirus thing it's probably the best time to release it but you know i'm not doing it for anyone else like a lot of these things, I'm doing it. I'm doing it for myself. I'm, I'm trying to, you know, I've always wanted to write a book. I believe there'll be value in the book, you know, as, if, as far as I care. If one person reads it and provides and has value from it, again, that's that's a big tick from me. Um, so you know, whatever. Um, but she seemed to think it was decent. So we'll, we'll see what she says in her report. But who knows? I think, I think um, we can tell knows? whether you've written it or not by the amount of times that you've used the like phrase. The key thing is this. So yeah, she said to me. Let me find the email. She said to when she. Let me find it. She said to me something along the lines of, it's really, it's really obvious you've written it because you keep using the same, the, the same word over and over again. Um, you, so she wrote a lot of things around it, but she basically said, you have a few phrases which seem to be your go-to, like, let me make it clear, this is where it gets interesting, and I must stress. I think there are a few others too. Every author has them. In one book, I edit, ed, edited out 200 so's at the beginning of every sentence. That's, that's but then she did like, yeah, it literally is. 
She said, it's a little, a little bit jumbled. Actually, it's a really good reflection of your mind. I can see the excitement in you as you were writing it. It definitely has your voice and personality, which is good. You'd be surprised how many people don't try to sound like someone else. And then she said that basically she likes some of the, some of the points, blah, blah, blah. But yeah, so that's what she basically said. But um, yeah, I mean, I can imagine because I, I, I was writing in between things. I was writing in coffee shops. I was writing, you know, it was really jumbled. And I haven't touched it in four months probably maybe maybe five six months i mean it was really this time last year i think i started writing it um and then life gets in the way but well yeah, you, I, you, I wanted it, you wanted it out by july and it's now april the next year isn't it do you remember that i don't think i said july last year i think you did no bloody way did i say that I think I've already said. Mar- I think I actually said March next year. I think, I think it's July next year. I think, I think we're going to have find to it, find it. <laughs> find it. I I think I would have said this. It was this year. I'm confident it was this year because I said to a speaking event that they had me on. I said, "Oh well, um, I'll speak for um, free at the event if you'd like me to promote my book." And the event was maybe in March. So I remember that. So it must have been around now to launch the book. Um, thankfully, that event got cancelled. So because <laughs> I'd have had no book to show. Um, but yeah, so I don't know, who knows, we've got a new business launching on Monday, um, recruitment one, which is going to be really interesting. So we're going to do our like, first intake virtually. He's got his laptop and phones getting sent to him in the post. Um, so that's going to be a really, really interesting one to see how that unfolds. But, you know, fuck it. Um, are, you doing, um, are you doing like day one content creation and processes or is it purely logistics? He's going to have to, so the, because of new business, he's going to have to sit down and just get everything set up. I don't think he's going to be able to do anything for uh, probably two or three weeks uh, to, to, um, to money-making because obviously nothing, no systems are in place. But at the same time, you know, uh, I don't think anyone really wants to recruit right now anyway. So um, it's going to be, like I said, so, I don't know if I said it to you or someone else, but like you're in a really interesting position where, you know, people aren't furloughed. And, you know, so like no one's really lost a job, no one's really got the job. So it's kind of like, you know, it's in a really weird position. So... I don't know. We'll see how we get on. I'm not, I'm not concerned by it. You know, we, we cash flowed six months and making no money on it anyway. So, you know, we, the money's in the bank and we'll see how it goes and we'll, we'll move forward with it. Um, but yeah, um, the, prob- the, the issue we have, I think, at the back of my mind, just, it's just a niggle at the back of my mind, is that as an agency, we are 100% reliant on how other people run their companies. And, and that's, that's the issue that I, that I am foreseeing. So at the moment, we're fine as a business. But let's say, let's just say, for example, all of our clients never put money aside, ran them like absolute idiots, and then um, couldn't survive a month of payroll and all went bust. You know, like that, that's, that, that I, never, I didn't think about this scenario until like literally a few days ago, which is actually we aren't even dependent on our clients, on our contracts, on our, how we operate, how we work. If the client has not, if our clients haven't done that correctly, you know, like we have it's kind of irrelevant if we have or not because they might have run their companies like my like idiots no i hope not and i hope and i, I don't i don't think that will happen but um you know it's always a, it's, a, it's an interesting when you think about that actually you are the you are part of the supply chain and if the person at the bottom of that supply chain can't run the company right then everyone fucking loses in that supply chain um, and and i think this whole uh, process has made people realize that supply chains are more in, integrated and, and and linked than ever before you know i had a call with a guy that does beer pump cleaning um got no work because all the pubs are shut and he can't get in but he said that when the pub is open everyone will need them cleaning again but for now we can't get in and clean them and they need cleaning every three weeks 
So it's like, you know, it's, it's every element that you wouldn't even think about in a supply chain is stopping. So that guy who wanted to marketing services can't afford the marketing services because he hasn't got any work in because he can't clean pipes and put in restaurants, which means that I don't get the new client. See where, see where this goes. And then I go, okay, well, then maybe I can't spend that money on that thing. And it just literally all from this geezer who can't get a pump fitted because the restaurants are shut <laughs> or whatever. And it, and it goes all the way through. Um, you know, so then I don't buy, you know, whatever uh, thing and then they can't pay their accountant and then their accountant can't pay their advertising agency and it just all fucking spins around and it makes people understand that supply chains are more connected than ever before um there will be a pop out this how big it is we don't know um but it's going to be how much i believe how much the government can prop it up it's, it's a reality this could be if the government don't prop this up afterwards with basically free fucking money i wouldn't be surprised if after this the government start giving everyone universal basic income um, I wouldn't, it would not surprise me one bit if the government were putting a grand a month into everyone's bank accounts. It wouldn't surprise me. Um, because it's been discussed in America a lot. Um, a guy called Yang, who was a presidential candidate, was going to bring you uh, universal basic income in. Um, and I think America are doing it. I think they've done one payment of 1,200 quid into everyone's bank accounts, I believe. Now, it's going to do fuck all, really, the round scheme of things, because 1,200 quid is it's gone. You know, you've know, got it, you've gone after a month, really. It's kind of gone again. So, But uh, there's been some countries that are toying with the idea of put a grand in everyone's bank account every single month, um, and then even if they haven't got a job, at least they can live. Um, or if they have got a job, they've got more surplus income to spend on things, so then it creates the economic multiplier effect. So it's just I mean, it's interesting to see what governments are doing. Um, we still have literally got nothing from the government. I was, I was saying to someone the other day that if we had stayed in our old office... We'd have got 30 grand from the government. <laughs> 30, 30 grand. Because we, we moved offices, we got nothing. How mad is that? If we'd stayed where we were and not been ambitious and not grow and not spend 60 grand kitting the office out, la, 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 we'd have had 30 grand from the government. No questions asked, grant, no payback required, 30 grand. So. Uh, you got to win someone lose something, don't you? I guess we'll win, I guess we'll win it at the moment because we still got a pulse. I mean, that's that's yeah. the way I've seen it. I mean, you know, um, the fact that we are still, you know, lights are switched on and people are getting paid for me is a big, big win at the moment because there's a lot of people that haven't. Some of my mates have been crucified, mate. So, yeah, um, we go on. Anyway, how long have we been going on this podcast? I think we're at about 40 minutes, to be fair. So, okay. to wrap me and Sam rambling for 40 minutes. So yeah, thanks guys for listening. Um, I've got a few more um, Zoom calls with a few of you guys next week. So if you do want to hop on, I'm happy to do like a couple of, a couple of days just to kind of keep keep the wheels turning. If any of you is going for any, anyone has any conversations or any questions they have, just don't hesitate just to get in touch. It's a real shit time for a lot of people and I'm happy to support where I can. Um, um, so yeah, don't, 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 like drop egos. I mean, one person actually messaged me and said, you know, um, I'm going to drop, I've, didn't, I've never, I've wanted to message you for a while, but I've never had the, I've, I've had the ego to not. Uh, and now we're in turbulent times. I've dropped my ego. I just want to have the conversation for help. And I think that sometimes people will have that opinion of me of, you know, uh, is your bravado, but deep down, I'm just trying to help people out. Like genuinely speaking, we're all, the, we're all in this fight just to kind of get by. So um, ego aside, happy to help anywhere I can. Um, thanks for listening as always. Any questions, hit me up on Insta and I'll speak to you next week.